lot of love in this place. Today we have the, um, the privilege of having Reverend Daryl Jones with us. Yes. What you might not know about him is he is one of the founding members of Bodhi Spiritual Center. He also was our original sound engineer. He, also, he was simultaneously running vocals, himself singing. He is a deep, deep student of um, science of mind, of Ernest Holmes, and um, deep in spiritual practice. He is a student of the Ernest Holmes Institute out of the Chicago Centers, or the Centers for Spiritual Living. He, um, he is birthing his next ministry. And as long as I have known Daryl, the desire that he has had for the city of Chicago is that this city be a web of prayer every day of the week. And so it is no surprise that his ministry is to call people into daily spiritual practice. So I encourage you to join him this afternoon. He'll be leading a workshop that's a love offering. And you'll be able to find more out about Daryl and where you can find him after today. But he is no stranger here, and he will certainly be back again. For now, let us enjoy him, Reverend Daryl Jones. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lola. Man, I'm just, I'm, I just have to acknowledge the chills that are multiplying in my body right now. And there's something, Meister Eckhart, I wish I could have met that man. Does anyone know Meister Eckhart? Medieval, mystic. He said, if the only prayer that you ever speak is thank you, that's enough. So just to that gratitude sharing that took place, that was, that was beautiful. Um, I want to start with continuing to laying a foundation of consciousness. Nicholas, can I have the first uh, slide? I want you to read this with me. I am a living vessel for the good of the universe. I am a champion for love, peace, wholeness, and joy. Within me now is all the possibility of life. I welcome into my experience right now the expression of my heart's desire. There's a powerful practice called affirmative prayer, speaking an affirmation. You just spoke an affirmation. You just put into consciousness, not the how of this, but the why you are living. That's what I want to talk about today. And before I jump into my talk, I've got to acknowledge all kinds of things. First of, first of all, we have to acknowledge Reverend uh, Galen McDowell. What an amazing series that he offered on building the beloved community. And even though we're moving into a very specific um, channel, if you will, of how to build the beloved community, talking about prosperity, we're going to continue to talk about that very thing. Now, the, built, the beloved community is built. It is here. You are, you are here. We're going to talk about expanding and deepening and broadening it. So uh, this Friday, I write, I don't do it every single week, every single day, but I, I woke up on Friday morning and had a very profound um, awareness that I need to share with you and just kind of like invite you into where I've been camping out for the past couple of days. 
October 4th, in the Catholic tradition, is the Feast of Assisi, St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of animals and of nature. Um, And he has probably one of the most famous prayers in the world. And it starts off saying, make me an instrument. I'm a singer. I'm a musician. Make me an instrument. God, play me. So we celebrated that in the Catholic realm. And then also was Yom Kippur. It was the eve of Yom Kippur, this time of moving into a new year in the Jewish tradition. And it's a very, very powerful day. At one point in time, it was almost a legal transaction of letting go of those agreements and contracts which no longer serve. Can you imagine if you legally dissolved those agreements that you made with yourself every year that no longer serve you and stepped into a new year letting them go? So just feel the energy of those two things camping out together. Make me an instrument and let me let go of the things that no longer serve. All right, take a deep breath in. Now I got to jump into the meat of it because I've got I've already used up 2 minutes and 42 seconds. <laughs> <clears throat> last last week Reverend Galen ended with a statement. My belief activates my faith. My belief activates my faith. And I I love that. I love things that come out of statements of like an equation. My belief activates my faith. Our belief activates our faith. I want to kind of play with that a little bit and invite you into agreeing with me on something for the next 20 minutes. Can I have the next slide, please? Attention equals faith, or faith equals our attention. The talk title is Where's Your Attention? The subtitle of this in my world and the little comic that sits beside of me, this is called the What You Talking About Willis Talk. <laughs> For children of the 80s with different strokes, what you talking about, Willis? Where's your attention? The reason I want you to take this equation, that attention equals your faith, the statement that our belief activates our faith, I do agree with that, but there's a, there's a subtle nuance I want us to just... To, to swallow for today. Our attention and our faith are one and the same. Can you just hold that with me for today? Okay? It's one and the same, and I truly believe that our attention and our faith cannot be increased or decreased. Okay, maybe you're not tracking with me a little bit. Our attention or our faith cannot be increased or decreased. So when we use the word activate, it implies that there's an on switch right? Our belief turns on our faith. No, our faith always is. It's where are we putting it? Where's your attention? Now, it may not be in the place you want it to be. You may be putting it on something that doesn't serve you. You may need to let go of some contracts and obligations you've made with yourself or life in order to have a greater way of living. But we never, quote unquote, lose our attention. We never lose our faith. It's always there. It's just where are we putting it? So can you, can you hold that with me, that that's what attention and faith is? Because that's what I want to talk about. 
we're moving into this month, myself and Maureen and Edwin are going to be talking about spiritual economics. We're going to be basing our talks around this book. Oh, yes. Come with it. Spiritual economics. This is not a talk about how to influence the economy or the stock market with positive thinking. I'm going to say that again. This is not a talk about how to influence the stock market or the economy with positive thinking. That would be nice, but that is not what I'm about right now. Today we are looking, in the rest of this month, we're looking at the principles of a spiritual economy. It's easy for those of us who um, study principle, those of us who have that seeker mentality, like all of us that came into this room that found our way to this community, we're looking for something. Some of us are looking for love in all the wrong places. Some of us are looking for work in all the wrong places. Some of us are looking for ourselves in all the wrong places. Amen. But we're seekers, and that's a beautiful thing, but sometimes it can distract us. We're looking for the next pill. We're looking for the next workshop. We're looking for the next teaching. We're looking for the next retreat that's going to transform our life into something more than what it is. Now, that's not a bad thing, but if that's all that we keep looking for and we forget about the basic principles of life that we are living by, it can be a disservice to us. So since this is the first talk about spiritual economics, I thought I'd break it down back to some good old spiritual principle. Come on! The first two chapters in this book are titled, The Truth About Substance. We could just say amen and walk away. The Truth About Substance and Your Fortune Begins With You. The Truth About Substance is, I don't think we need to say much about this because we all intellectually get it. I'm not interested in your intellect. I'm interested in your heart right now, what you really believe. But let's just state it. The truth about substance is that there is an unending supply of it. If you could be disciplined enough to sit in one spot for a year and simply observe nature, you would see unending supply in the midst of snow, in the midst of ice, in the midst of storm, you would see growth, expansion, and possibility continuously happening. So that's the truth about substance. Got it? Okay. More importantly, your fortune begins with you. Change your thinking, change your life is one of the key cornerstones of this teaching. Ernest Holmes said that. That's what I want to spend time on today. In the book, Spiritual Economics, Eric Butterworth uses a word, wealthful. I kind of like that. And, and, and those of you who know me, um, I'm, a, I, I'm a self-proclaimed nerd. I love being a nerd. I love just kind of like almost beating things to a pulp sometimes. <laughs> I want to look under it. I want to look above it. I want to look on the right side and look on the left side. I want to go inside of it and look out and see how it looks at the world. So wealthful, I wanted this, what is this word wealthful all about? And he, he, he said that he coined it. I don't know if he coined that word, but he said, basically, think of the idea of healthful, wealthful. That's how he used that word. So I had to look up the definition of healthful first. 
Things that are healthful are conducive, conducive to health, giving way to it, supporting it. So therefore, things that are wealthful are conducive to wealth. All right. So let's use these words in a sentence. It is wise to have a healthful diet. Can you dig? All right. Now, diet, not the verb, not dieting. We all can find all kinds of stuff about that. It is wise to have a healthful diet, a noun, diet, meaning the thing, the food that a person, an animal, or a community habitually eats. That is your diet. So let's bring in the word wealthful again. What is your wealthful diet? It is wise to have a wealthful diet, a diet that is conducive to wealth. Now, I'm not talking about what you eat. And I had to look. There is actually a book out there called Millionaire Diet, Eating for Success. And I went, down the, I went down the caves of my mind, and I said, you know what? If someone came up with this scientifically altered, modified food that simulated that which Donald Trump ate the first year he became a millionaire, and someone packaged it and coined it and had guarantees and tested it, I guarantee half of us would line up with our wallets and buy it. <laughs> Somehow thinking that if we eat the food that he ate the first year he became a millionaire, then we would become that. But I digress. What I'm talking about is a wealthful diet. So it's not about the foods that we eat. It is about the thoughts, the beliefs, and the habitual thinkings that we feed our consciousness. Where's your attention? So to start, are we aware of what we are thinking? Sometimes, thank you for being honest, Gracie G. Sometimes, are we aware of what we are thinking as an individual? Are we aware of what we are thinking as a community? Where's your attention? Can I have the next slide, please? All of these quotes today are from the book. So if you're, if you're in the class reading it right now, you will probably have come across these. If you're interested in getting the book, check it out. This is one that I have marked up. Over the years, it's been dog-eared. I've spilled coffee on it. I've written, this is a great book to return to. The starting point in realizing prosperity is to accept responsibility for your own thoughts, thus taking charge of your life. You are not responsible for what is said in the Wall Street Journal or what comes out of Washington in the form of economic indicators, but you are very much responsible for what you think about these things. All right? So here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, we're going to do an example. We're going to practice right now because I'm all about practicing. We can talk about the stuff for days, but if we're not really coming into a self-awareness, then why are we doing it? So it's, it's important what you think about these things. I did a little Google search and found a website called useconomicoutlook2014.com. I don't actually advise that you go to it. <laughs> but I want you to take a deep breath in and out, and I'm going to read a statement from that website, and I want you to become very aware of where your mind and thoughts and beliefs are. 
How does the Congressional Budget Office, also known as the CBO, feel about the U.S. economic outlook in 2014? Pessimistic. The CBO expects the U.S. economy in 2014 to remain moribund, which means at the point of death, and for unemployment to remain near 8%. Take a deep breath in. Keep breathing. Where is your head right now? Where is your attention? What are you placing it upon? Is there fear? Is there worry? Is there concern? Are you focusing on specific words? Unemployment? 8%? Moribund? I'm not making any of it right or wrong. It's just an invitation to become aware. Now, here's the thing that's so funny is it goes on later to say, for the average American trying to make ends meet in 2014, a bull market and a recession will probably look and feel the same. A bull market, if you don't understand that language, means a market that is actually doing quite well where there's lots of buying and selling and the economy is doing well. A recession, everyone's heard about a recession. It means that the market and the economy is not doing well. But this statement here, if we do want to give any credit at all to these uh, economic indicators, for the average American trying to make ends meet in 2014, a bull market and a recession will probably look and feel the same. Now, here's the spiritual truth in that. What is said out in the world does not really affect your quality of living. It's what you choose and how you act. It is the consciousness with which you relate to it. Yes? One of my favorite teachers and mentors, Reverend Vincent Kiefner. If you don't know this man, I hope you get to meet him someday. He's been a part of this community in and out for years, and he's a minister, but he is actually a mortgage broker. That's what he does out in the world. He takes his ministry into the nit and gritty of buying a house. He, in one of the prosperity classes that he taught here, he said before he does anything, before he turns on the news, before he turns on his smartphone, starts scrolling through Facebook to see what people are doing, um, he fills himself with spiritual truth. And over the years, even in 2008, when the economy was so bad and everything was going down, that man was succeeding. He had money continuing to flow. Now, I don't mean to d- diminish that some of us are heavily steeped at, um, and, and, and active in the, in the economy of the market and mortgages and lending, that that you were doing anything wrong. All I'm saying is that if consciousness is the basis of our being, this man wakes up every morning and reads good word, fills himself, gets his consciousness in the direction that he wants it to be. He knows where his attention is. He lives a life that is amazing. The talk, as I said today, is not going to be about, and dang, I'm already 16 minutes in, so i got to be quick. Ready? I'm going to talk really fast, you guys. So take it in. This talk is not about how to influence anything outside of you. It's not about getting the right job. It's not about getting the right partner. It's not about getting the right anything. This is a talk about spiritual economics, the science that deals with the production, distribution, and consumption of the thoughts and beliefs of your consciousness. That's the economy I want to talk about. Here, here. So some of you may be saying, so wait a minute. Let me ask you a question, Daryl. Are we going to talk about money? And I would answer no. And you may still be confused and go, so what you're saying is, is we're not going to talk about money? And I would say no. Can I have the next slide, please? This might help a little bit. Prosperity 
is a way of living and thinking, and not just the money of, of things. Poverty also is a way of living and thinking, and not just the lack of money and things. Now, if you don't get anything else today, if you get that, amen. Do you understand the magnitude of that statement? That's what I want to invite you into today. I want all the money that we can possibly spend and more. But it's all about our consciousness. It's not about having something and not having something. It's about how are we stepping into our world. Prosperity is a way of living and thinking. Poverty is also a way of living and thinking. Where's your attention? The, 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 the analogy that came to me when I was uh, preparing for this is it's almost like we are all addicts. Anyone that has either experienced addiction in their life or knows someone who's experienced addiction in their life, before you can move forward without that addiction running you, you have to detoxify. You have to get it out of you, whether it's a substance or a behavior. If you wake up and turn on the news... You are a part of the addiction in this society of lack mentality. You just are. I am too. I fess up to it. But the, here's, the, here's the hope, though. The people that are actively moving away and living in a life that is not about their addiction, what do they do? They go to a 12-step meeting. They get a sponsor to sit and hold them and walk with them. They go to a meeting once, sometimes if it's the beginning of of working things out, twice, maybe even three times a day. Imagine if you gave that attention to your prosperity consciousness. If you went to a meeting every day where you could fess up that you had lack mentality, once again, come around, that you could celebrate even the smallest success, and that you could reach out to someone in the middle of shaking about, what am I going to do with my money? That's what I want to invite you into today, is to do that level of work. But it's not work that you're going to go outside into the world and do. It's work that you're going to reach in and get. Eric Butter, uh, Butterworth and any uh, prosperity teacher would say, before you do anything, whether it's buying a house, heck, even before buying a candy bar, Make sure that you are moving from a place of wholeness, oneness, possibility, and creativity. This is, I don't know if this was something that Reverend Mark Anthony shared with me or someone else from the Agape community when he was there, but it illustrates a little bit about being convicted in your thinking. Uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith, Agape, everyone knows, okay? So at one point in time, they're almost 30 years old. They're coming up on three decades. And they've gone through the same growth trends that we have here of moving into new buildings and how we're going to make that happen. There's a, a story that at one point in time, he was sitting in his room with all of the leaders and the, um, the core council and the board of directors. And they were trying to decide if we're going to move forward and go into this new building, which is going to be a bit of a financial stretch for the community. And there was a handful of people that were kind of like, well, I don't know. I mean, God wants us to do this, but how are we going to make it happen? It is said that he went over and locked the door in the room and said, we are not leaving this place 
And we are not making a decision until everyone in this room is sitting in the consciousness of possibility. So even if the decision was no, he wanted everyone to be moving from a place of possibility. Sometimes we say no, and we're still being prosperous. No does not equate uh, not being prosperous. No indicates that we are healthy with our boundaries. I could learn a few things about that. Next slide, please. So it is, it is creating the condition in mind that makes the results inevitable. It is creating the conditions in mind that makes the results inevitable. If you get your mind right, it will happen. But how hard is it to get our mind right? That's just, that's just what we're here to do. We're here to get our minds right. We're here to live I'm, in my nerdiness, Malcolm Gladwell, anyone read any of his stuff? Um, So it's easy to get swayed. If you read that stuff, it's it's one of my favorite, he's one of my favorite airport authors. Like you're about to travel somewhere and read one of his books. But he, you know, he'll illustrate and talk about like Steve Jobs and people that are outliers, people that have these extraordinary lives. And he talks about the conditions of their living that made it possible for them to have this extraordinary experience. I don't deny that the conditions out in the world that they were living helped that come to be. But what I also know is that Steve Jobs was grounded in the consciousness of possibility. If he wasn't grounded in that consciousness, it doesn't matter what the conditions around him were. It's the same thing as a lottery winner. If you are not grounded in responsibility with your money, you can win a million dollars and you'll spend it and you'll go right back to where you were. Where's your attention? That is the invitation that I invite you to become aware of. That is what I invite you to join if you want to go into a deeper conversation today. What are you talking about, Willis? It is an important moment in your life when you discover for yourself that the great truth that things may happen around you and things may happen to you, but the only thing which really counts is what happens in you. What is happening in you? The two tools that I know, and I'm getting close, the two tools that I know uh, to support in any revelation of life is prayer and meditation. I'm talking about prosperity, but all I ever talk about is prayer and meditation. That's all I really know how to do. I work at the Old Town School of Folk Music, and I sign people up for registration. All I ever talk about is prayer and meditation, and people don't always know about it. Prayer and meditation, the yin, the yang, prayer, moving out, meditation, taking it in. It's the divine circle. Inhale, exhale. How are you inhaling? Where's your attention when you inhale? Where's your attention when you exhale? Where's your attention when you meditate? Is it planning nine million things down the road? Even this morning, so this is, in terms of it being a daily practice, even this morning, I woke up at 6.30 today to get ready, to get myself grounded, And immediately when I sat down for meditation, my mind started going like, well, I could tell this story here and I could do that and I could do this, but I can't remember, got to remember. And I started planning out the whole morning and the whole talk. And I felt myself getting really, really tight. And I remember, I was like, Daryl, what are you talking about today? Where's your attention? Right now it's 6.30 in the morning and all you need to do is breathe and sit in possibility. All you need to do is sit and breathe. Two more quotes, and then we'll move into some heartfelt prayer. 
So it is with the demonstration of divine law. It is not something you do to God or even something that God does especially for you. It is simply a change of your consciousness in which you become synchronized with the ceaseless activity of divine love, healing life, or prospering abundance and substance. One of the things that we get caught up in, I will say I get caught up in, is, is prayers. Like, did you demonstrate? Did you manifest? I got to manifest. I got to make this happen. Anyone ever go there? How am I going to make this happen? How, 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 how. I love that word, and there's part of me that really dislikes that word. The how is important. However, let go of demonstrating for a moment. Get your mind off the idea of making a demonstration in life. Center your awareness on a deeper sense of life, and the demonstration will begin to make you. That's what surrender is. Get your mind off of, how am I going to make that person come into my life and love me the way I want them to love me? And get your mind centered on the idea of love and watch love be drawn to you. That's what the secret was all about, the law of attraction, Abraham Hicks. It's all the same thing. It's a different spin on the same message. Where is your attention? So let us become very aware of where our attention is right now, collectively as this community, as we move forward into birthing more of ourselves, expanding ourselves. As we sit in this new year, where is your attention in your desires, your heart, your yearnings, your creativity, your money, your finances, your relationships, your work? Is it on the possibility of things or the impossibility of things? It's really almost that simple. But all we need to do is if we become aware that we are focusing on the impossibility of things, we take a deep breath, and we do the snake. And we come back over to the other side and go to the possibility of things. So let's go to the possibility of things in prayer. All right. So I invite the spiritual practitioners to come forward. These practitioners are here for you if you would like to receive a specific one-on-one laser prayer. Come up to them during this time. They will pray for you, for your awareness, for your attention upon that which serves you. So take in a deep breath and let us turn within. Let us turn to the presence. Let us turn to the word and expect transformation. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. And so let us give ourselves away or over to the truth about substance, that it is here to supply us. God never leaves, life never leaves, love never leaves. It is always here, it is always sourcing, it is always supplying, it is always moving, it is always having its way. So here and now I recognize that there is a power and presence in life, in love, in God, in me, in you that is ever present. 
We can name it whatever we choose, but let us simply recognize that it is here. It has always been here, and it will continue to be here, and it will express as abundance. It will express as joy. It will express as love. It will express as opulence. That is its nature. Therefore, that is my nature and your nature. So from that place of oneness, here and now, I declare and affirm that our attention is upon that which serves us. Let us place our attention upon the possibility of life and let it possible itself into existence. Our attention and our faith activates our relationship with the law of life. We partner with it. So let us do our part and keep our attention on that which is possible, that which serves, that which is creative, that which is freeing, that which is opening. And any thoughts and desires or wonderings or worries that may take us in another direction, do not make those wrong. Be thankful. Let us celebrate when we hit that wall that we have a boundary and we know that we can simply turn our attention back to the goodness of God. Give yourself to that. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you, so you can use me. give myself away. In my heart. I give myself away. So you, so you can use me. give myself away. When I wake up in the morning time. I give myself away. So ourselves away. Let us be an instrument, as our brother Assisi said. Make us an instrument of thy creativity. Make us an instrument of everything. And let us be grateful that we are instruments of the prosperous nature of God. I am so grateful for the fulfillment of this prayer. I'm so grateful for the fulfillment of all the prayers being spoken in this room right now. I'm so grateful for the fulfillment of the desires in our hearts that we are too afraid to speak out into the world. I know that they are done in the mind of life, and we are here to surrender to them, to give ourselves over to them, and they are done. And for that, I say thank you, God. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you, life. And so it is. Amen.